0: Well, there's a lot we could talk about today. The, the conversion of St. Paul, very important feast day, very interesting feast day. Uh, great readings, too, from the book of Acts. Jesus uh, appears to Paul, the resurrected Jesus appears to Paul in a very dramatic fashion. And uh, we have this saying, you know, knock, knock, he, he got knocked off his high horse, and that, that kind of goes back to this, this story here, actually, it traces back we don't even know, really, actually, if Paul was on a horse or not. Doesn't specify, but he very well could have, because he was coming in um, kind of an aggressive military fashion to to, to go to Damascus to arrest the uh, the Christians there uh, in the name of the the Jewish high priest in Jerusalem. I think the idea here, Paul was um, saying that the Christians were were watering down the purity of the Jewish faith because uh, probably even from the from the beginning here even though at this time there were not a lot of or maybe not not hardly any at all Gentiles coming into the church at, at this point in the history of the church which is just would have been the first few years would have been all Jewish people were members of the church so there wasn't any non-jewish people members of the church uh, but I think probably even at that period when it was still very much a Jewish, Organization, they were probably starting to loosen the observance of the ritual part of the law and maybe being overly friendly with Gentiles. That's my suspicion. And it was probably that, more than anything else, that made Jewish zealots like, like Saul of Tarsus or Paul, uh, suspicious of this Christian movement. And, uh, and, and, Seemingly justified in being aggressive towards them and arresting them and so forth and so on, um, but we see the same zeal. Though what's interesting is there's a continuity in a, in a lot of ways though, between Paul's pre-conversion life and his post-conversion life. Okay, uh, his zeal did, was 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 the same. I think the zeal before his conversion was misdirected. It was directed in violence and coercive you know uh, directions but uh, after his conversion god like basically took his zeal and just pointed it in the in the right direction and uh, there was a great softening of heart that took place in in paul it's interesting it says the scales fell from his eyes so he was blinded for 3 days and then at the end of those 3 days ananias comes in and heals him and baptizes him And the, the healing of his blindness involved the falling of scales. I take it it's scales like the scale on a, you know, a lizard's, uh, skin. So it's kind of like armor. And, uh, there's a hardness that was there. You know, maybe I, there's a saying out there, it says that the, the fanatic harbors secret doubts. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're fanatical about something, meaning that you don't really have a balance between your faith and your reason, and you're just totally fanatic. See, Christianity is not fanaticism. Okay? Because we, we, with Christianity, we have a nice balance between faith and reason. Fanaticism happens when you just can't look at evidence, you can't look at reason, and you just, it's it's faith that's completely absent to those other considerations. And I think that's probably a little bit of what was going on with with uh, Paul before his conversion. He was a kind of a fanatic, and uh, he wasn't living according to knowledge. He wasn't he wasn't operating according to truth. Um, and uh, there's a kind of a defense mechanism that comes in. So people, the zealot, the terrorist. You know, we see it today with the, is extremist Islamism. Um, the terrorist is like he's trying to compensate for something. He's got a defense mechanism. He's got this scally hard armor that he's put over his mind and over his reason, so he can't see outside of his little narrow thing. And he he harbors secret doubts. He really is not totally sure (laughs) if what he's doing is true. So basically what he does, he's afraid of his own doubt. So he overcompensates and goes nuts. Well, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to blow myself up. And then He's trying to convince himself, essentially, that he's that he's right. I think probably a little bit of that fanatical sort of uh, um, overcompensation and, and defense mechanism was there with Saint Paul, and that was symbolized by the armor on his the, the, the scales. It's like an armor on his on his eyes. But Christ comes and brings him in touch with reality and with truth, moral reality, and also just just reality in general. Uh, and that Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth, really is the Messiah. He really is ri- risen from the dead. And um, and, and Saul changes uh, very, very dramatically. We see in our gospel texts the promulgation that Christ or um, willed that the promulgation of the gospel would be accompanied by these miraculous signs, healing people, people drinking poison and it's not affecting them, so forth and so on. A miracle, properly speaking, is some kind of wondrous phenomenon that is beyond the power of nature that testifies to the truth of the gospel. That's what a miracle, supernatural miracle is, properly speaking. But the theologians speak about another kind of miracle, and it's a very interesting kind. Uh, it's, it's a miracle really not in a proper sense. They, they refer to it as a moral miracle. And what they mean by that is that, practically speaking, there's certain elements of Christianity that are miraculous Uh, because, not because they're really beyond the power of nature, but that they're practically speaking beyond what's, what ordinarily happens. So before the, the spread of Christianity, all religion was just local. I mean, in some, in some cases religion was so local it was, it was, it was, uh, relegated to your home. (laughs) Like you, you had your own personal gods. Like my, my dad worships this god. I, I like to worship that god. I mean, that's how personal and, and, and private and, and, um, limited religion was before Christianity. After Christianity, you've got this uniform religion that spreads everywhere. And it spreads so quickly without force, by the way. Okay. Unlike Islam, Islam spread through force. So Christianity spread without force and it spread so quickly and it just took over the whole world. And specifically, Catholic Christianity, you have a uniform belief system that's all over the whole world, and that is a moral miracle. That's a moral miracle. And that kind of spread of, of the faith and of the gospel takes place through this incredible zeal and dedication of the saints and the missionaries. And St. Paul, his zeal to spread Christianity was unbelievable. It was a moral miracle, beyond the fact that sometimes he could heal people or... Or work those miracles properly speaking. Just the fact that he was so zealous to, to, to go out and to work for God was really a miracle in in a certain sense. And, uh, what I, my reflection for today just to leave us with is, you know, after letting go of our defense mechanisms, after receiving the gift of true faith, not fanaticism, but, but gratitude to God for the true, true faith that's a total gift from God. You can't psych yourself into faith. Faith is a gift. Let us have that same zeal that Paul had for serving God, for working for the church, and thereby we're going to testify to the world in a, through this moral miracle of our, own, uh, of our own devotion and dedication and zeal uh, to the truth of, uh, of the gospel.